The following is a presentation of the Eastern Michigan Sports Network from Learfield. Straight from the 734, it's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Your chance to get in on the action. Now, let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all, Greg Steiner and Alex Jewell. Continuing to flush it. That's what Eastern Michigan football has been really good about over the years. This week, no exception, as the Ball State Cardinals, the defending MAC champions, Alex, came in and stole the hearts away from Eagle fans. Yeah, it was a really tough game. I mean, Eastern Michigan had had chances at the end of the game to try to get back in it and and to win the game, Greg. But when you start down 14-0 against a team like Ball State, who we know is good because they are the defending MAC champions, but have also been playing really, really well. It's tough to come back. And uh, when you have a deficit like that, I think Coach Creighton would say the same thing and provide the same sentiment. He certainly did today in his press conference. I'm sure in his interview with you, he'll express similar sentiment. It's really tough. And, and this league, you just can't get down 14 points and, and expect to come back every week. And so um, hats off to the effort for Eastern Michigan to really get themselves back into the game. A lot of positive notes came out of the game, Greg. I mean, nine different receivers were able to uh, catch passes. Five different receivers had at least three passes. That speaks to the openness the offense can have yep. when they're when they're effective. Ben Bryant, statistically speaking, had a really nice game, up over 70% completion percentage. He's one of the best in the country this year at completing passes, uh, but ultimately just fell a little bit short. And so we don't want to dwell on that too much because with every game being competitive in this league means that as great as that is on Saturdays, it means that you have to get rid of mm-hmm. the loss quickly and move on to your next opponent. And Bowling Green, the record may not show it, Greg, but this is a team that's dangerous. It's always tough to go down to Dwight Perry Stadium and get a win. And we know this is a team that can be explosive when they've got energy. Yeah, and you mentioned one more point about that. Eastern ranks 79th in the FBS in first quarter offensive production at just 4.7 points per game. They haven't scored in the first quarter in each of the last three three weeks. Conversely, the Eagles are tied for 13th best offense in the fourth quarter at just shy of 10 points a quarter. Michigan and Ohio State have the exact same total. That's pretty good company because those two teams are, are way up there in the rankings. You just got to get that front half figured out. Yeah, it's it's really good company to have. And you like to see that the team's willing to open it up in the fourth quarter and sling the ball a little bit, run it effectively, and, and fight back in those games. But you do want to see it at the front end, too. And Coach always says, every coach says, right, it's a football coach. Every every coach, whether it's Coach Creighton or whoever it may be, will tell you, we have to play for 60 minutes. We have to play for 60 minutes. And one of the another statistic that I thought, you know, is really telling too, Greg, is, you know, four out of the seven games, Eastern Michigan has not scored on their opening drive of the game. In all four of those games, they haven't scored in the first quarter at all. So this team really could benefit from building some momentum early. And I know that'll be the plan. We talked to Brian Dooley today in the press conference, Bryson Cannon. They both feel the same way. The nice thing is, Greg, I think we can all talk about, we talk about ways to measure the growth in a program. One of the biggest differences between the last couple of years are teams that have really been contenders and maybe when Coach Creighton first got here or some other years past, and you can speak out more to me, is I don't think there's any needing to tell the players or the coaches what the task is or how to bounce back from a game that was tough. So the game was tough. It wasn't the result you want, but a really good opportunity, even though Bowling Green's a good team, to go down, get a road win, get yourself right back in the conversation for a MAC championship. It's only week eight. This this MAC championship will likely not be decided until the last week of the season. So we have a lot of football left to play. We have plenty of time the next two weeks to spend in Northwest Ohio, my old stomping grounds, as the Eagles will be at at Bowling Green on Saturday. 
Saturday, then the 10-day hiatus before back in action at the Glass Bowl. And Eastern will take on the Toledo Rockets in the start of Maction on yeah, November 2nd. And you're coming up on almost, you're, you're approaching, in retrospect, you're approaching the 25-year mark here almost at Eastern. I think maybe for your like 50th work anniversary, we should play a neutral site game with Toledo or Bowling Green in Bluffton, Ohio. Oh, think, Harmon Field would they, love that. Oh, I think they'd be, so we're going to get working on that. I've got about 25, 30 years to get that thing knocked out, but we're going to do that. So book your tickets now for about 30 years from now, Greg Steiner, 50th anniversary game. Oh, maybe by then we'll have figured out some way we could like put a floating uh, field out there and play it in like oh. the Maumee River or something. But, I mean, something to be different, right? Well, certainly by then we'll have a new press box. I know Burt Green's going to be working on that for us. So uh, Jim Streeter too. Yeah, Jim Streeter as well. Not uh, a football-only show today. We nope. do have some other things mixed in. We do catch up with EMU junior kicker Chad Ryland, who helped set some records this week. He already hold, held some marks, but continues to climb up that career chart. He's now the all-time best in point-after-touchdowns made and attempted. 121 made, 125 attempted. He's second now all-time in career field goals, and he's inching up the list in career points scored. An extended conversation with Chad that I had. Uh, the other thing we touch on, he's a supply chain management major, and I Ooh. told him, He's got to get in the field. I told him (laughs) as much as I don't want him out on the football field, I said he's got to go figure out and how to get things back on the field. You do want him on the football field. I do want him on the football football field. field. Yes. Yes. But he's got to figure out how to get these stock shelves. uh, back in full capacity. I know. I was reading today that I need to apparently start my Christmas shopping now because we might not have any Christmas presents. I think I'm going to wait and usually do my last, like my last minute mid-December. And then so when there's nothing on the shelves, Greg, I'll have a perfectly good excuse to why I didn't get anybody anything. I don't know how it's going to work out for my personal relationships, but that's kind of what I'm thinking right now. Oh, Becca would love that excuse. <laughs> the Grinch that stole Alex's Christmas. That'll be on the next Eastern Insider podcast. But here we'll talk with Chad. And then you have a great conversation with uh, Stephanie Jennings, the head women's golf coach at Eastern Michigan. And you could not ask for a better start for their fall campaign than they've had. Oh, they've been really good. And you cover that that team uh, every day, Greg. They've got some really young talent. We knew that coming out of last year. And it has returned this year. And it's really, really good. A lot of freshmen and sophomores still up and down the roster on this team. Stephanie Jennings, of course, an Eastern Michigan alum, one of the first ever recruits to the golf program. She's been great. Her team was out a couple of weeks ago, Greg. The homecoming week, they hosted their annual tournament, the Shirley Spork Invitational out at Eagle Crest. A really, really good performance. A dominant day one, and they were able to do what they needed to do on day two to secure that victory. So I caught up with her a little bit about that win and what it meant to win the Shirley Spork this year. We're going to play you that interview, some some snippets from that, and it's really good content. So we'll pair that up, like you said, Greg, with Chad's interview and uh, really good insight into some other programs today other than just football. The golf is very interesting, and uh, Stephanie's one of the best we have. Yeah, Stephanie's fantastic, of course. Also, one of the Well, she is the first female in Michigan ever to hold a cabinet position with PGA of Michigan. So a good interview there. Otherwise, it's a jam-packed week of Eastern Michigan athletics. Wednesday, if you don't have anything going on, it's volleyball action at the Convo. In-state rival Central Michigan comes south. We'll have that broadcast at 6 o'clock. If you can't make it out to the Convo, we'll have an ESPN Plus game as well. We have women's soccer. They're on the road at... Ohio this weekend, or this week, excuse me, on Friday. We also have cross-country going on. Volleyball will follow us down to Bowling Green. They'll play at the Stroh Center on Friday 
and then Saturday. And rowing is at the head of the Charles, and then soccer will close it out with Kent State on Sunday and a follow-up game next week against CMU. So soccer season, only three matches left for head coach Scott Hall in the regular season. Three matches left for them. Volleyball is really getting into the thick of things. They've inched themselves up right on the cusp of qualifying for postseason play. So these next couple of weeks for them are really important, as we tell you every week. Make sure you follow emueagles.com. Make sure you take a look at our social media pages. We'll keep you up to date on all the programs you love. And don't worry, we are thick in the football season, but Greg and I are working hard to bring you content from other sports. We're going to start rolling into a lot of that in the next couple of weeks. Eric Roof's baseball team is finishing up fall ball, uh, volleyball, soccer, all of that. We're going to bring you coverage on all of those sports. So please stick with us. If you're hoping to hear from some specific people from other teams, let we're, us know who we're, we're going to get those going. We're less than two weeks away from hoop season. Yeah, too. we've got hoop season coming up. I don't even want to think about that right now. We've got so much to do. The only thing I want to think about right now, Greg, is that Friday night, I will be at Frickers all night long eating chicken wings in anticipation for our Saturday game. So if you're out and about, stop down to Frickers. Take a, you know, so, you can come see me. So does this mean we can't go Saturday after the game? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm more than happy to go double time Oh, okay. On I, th- the I weekend. thought you were going to oh, say absolutely. you were, were going to cheat on me and not then eat that. Oh, no, no, no. I can eat Frickers every day of the week. Great chicken wings. Probably the only thing good to offer in the city of Bowling Green. So whoa, if you're down whoa, there, whoa. then take a, take a stop. What about Frickers? Big Boy? Oh, okay, stop, stop. We're getting too far into our food conversation. It is lunchtime. It is lunchtime. We're getting hungry. That's why we're going to stop this interview. We're going to take a quick break. We'll get you back with Coach Creighton and Greg Steiner. And then it's Stephanie Jennings, head women's golf coach, and, of course, Chad Ryland discussing his way of getting into football, how he went from soccer star to now an all-time program record leader here at Eastern Michigan. Jam-packed show. Always appreciate you guys listening to the Eastern Insider Podcast. Stick with us. We'll be right back on the other side of this break. For 82 years, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan has been and continues to be committed to families all across Michigan. By providing access to care however, wherever, and whenever they need it, Blue Cross is here for it all and always will be. Whether you're in the D or out to sea, we always bring you the E on the only show that brings you all things Eastern all the time. The Eastern Insider Podcast. Back on the road this weekend, Eastern Michigan goes. They will travel to Bowling Green, Ohio to take on the Falcons. And before we get set for BGSU, let's take a look back with head coach Chris Creighton as his Eagles were at home taking on the defending MAC champion Ball State Cardinals. Fell in an early hole, but once again, coach, as your team has done so, so well all year long, finding a way to battle back and give yourself an opportunity there down the stretch. Uh, defense played well to give you that final shot after BS Ball State misses the field goal. Yeah, there's there's just there's there's a positive spin uh, for sure, and there's also you know the reality of the fact that we were we're down 14 nothing. I mean they took the ball and you know went right through us and scored. We got the ball and three and out. You know, ended up with a third and 12 and, and didn't do anything with it and punt the ball away. And then they take it and go down again. You know, they had a good plan. Uh, there's no question and, and executed it well. But uh, being down 14 nothing is not how you want to start, but that's the, the negative. Um, you know, the fact that we turned the ball over twice. And, and I, I will say this the first interception was more of a takeaway than it was a turnover. I thought the kid made a great play. Mm-hmm. Nice long tall 
corner who'd also played safety and and he went up and got that and the ball was a little bit underthrown and all that but it was a, it was a great play by that guy you know the the end of the game interception was something that was in our our control and it was just a ball that got away from him and and there's other places that he could have gone um, on the field so but yeah so of course we're going to battle back and you know when they missed the we didn't get the onside kick then held them and so when they missed the field goal we had two minutes and six seconds to go 80 yards and uh you know to go for the win that was the plan i saw it happening we had a two-point play that we're you know ready mm-hmm. to go and the first two minute we went right down and scored i told the guys we needed to score before two minutes on the clock we had a little over four minutes and we did um we got the ball back again and uh weren't able to do it so it was, it was frustrating when you look and you go into a game plan and you think about what it takes to put it together on average you're, you're getting about 10 to 11 drives a contest what would your ideal scenario of amount of scores per drive be i mean everybody wants 100 percent. is it closer above 50 right around 50 what's the percentage of that you'd like well i mean when you use the word ideal it's i mean even if you just say that they're not all touchdowns but you know you, you essentially you know you want to score you know when you when you get the ball he we punted twice mm-hmm. you take away the turnovers and, you know, as egregious as those first two series were, the first half and the second half, you know, I mean, two, three and outs, other than the two turnovers, you know, we're going down there and, and scoring. And I think that's what we're capable of doing. That's the expectation. I guess the other thing would say is we need more points than the other team. You know, again, I wasn't, I wasn't being disingenuous when the 13 to 12 win mm-hmm. as the offensive coordinator, yep. you know, you, you don't feel great about it. But as the head coach, um, I absolutely did. And that was a good team that we beat, you know, and if this ended up being 39 to 38, you know, getting a two point conversion to win it and, and coming back, then, you know, I'd feel great. We just want more points than the other team. Yep. Right now, your team 13th best in the nation in terms of fourth quarter offensive production. Is there something special the, or is it just grit and determination for how teams fight in that fourth quarter? Yeah, I mean, that, that can potentially be, a, you know, a statistic that, you know, teams that are behind are going to be scoring, you know, in the fourth quarter. So that's not necessarily a great stat. Now, I will say both in the UMass and the Texas State games, you know, when we were up, mm-hmm. we were able to put our, our foot on the gas. Um, and so you just got to look at each one individually right there. But we, we want to be uh, scoring points in every quarter. This week, your opponent is Bowling Green. Right now, they have not tasted a whole lot of success in terms of, of putting wins together. They do have an upset of a Big Ten school early this year in Minnesota, but think back to all those years ago. I mean, you were in a similar situation. You walked into BG. They were the defending champions, had just come off that win at, at Wyoming, and, and find a way to win what propelled you to the first Bahamas Bowl. Do you ever uh, think of how much that, that game helped your teams gain some momentum? Oh, yeah. That was, you know, I, I think a 16 a, a lot. That was our That was our breakthrough. You know, that was that was a special season. Uh, you mentioned the Wyoming win at home. And then we go to Bowling Green, the defending Mac champs at their place. It's the only game in my eight years that we've played at Bowling Green. Mm-hmm. We're able to beat them. And uh, so that put us at four and one, maybe yep. or something like that. And, you know, we hadn't previous two years. I mean, we hadn't come anywhere close. We I don't think we had four wins. We only had three wins in the first two years. So that was a, a, a an instrumental and a monumental win for us at that time and we've played them a couple of other times both have been at home but uh yeah i i just see 
our league, I really do. They were just asking about, you know, kind of the, the top and the bottom. I, I don't really think that there's a top or a bottom. I really don't. I think anybody who does is going to try to, is going to find out, you know, either the hard way or, you know, if they play hard, you know, they're going to, they're going to beat somebody that, you know, maybe people didn't think they were going to beat, but it's, it's more than ever. I knew that this year in college football, that teams were all going to be good. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, it should be the best, the best football that college football has ever had. Cause you know, people have sixth year seniors, but uh, yeah, the, the amount of teams that are all just close and similar in our league is, is, uh, is real. Final moment here with head coach, Chris Creighton, his team getting ready for Bowling Green this weekend. The Falcons don't run the football a whole lot. They will only putting up about 72 yards a game on the ground. Defensively though, they will also uh, hold you to a stiff standard. They're giving up just about uh, 346 yards a game. What is your offense going to have to do this week to get the Falcons? Well, it'll be it'll be complimentary football for sure. You know, we're studying those guys right now on defense, and they're they're actually really good. Uh, you know, you mentioned the Minnesota game, and that was I was super impressed with their how hard that they played and their plan, and and uh, I mean it was it was fun to watch. So I think they're really good on defense. Um, I don't study the offense as much. You know, you know, Coach Nethery and, and the defensive staff does that. I know that they are very different than a traditional offense. Uh, a lot of, of the jet sweeps um, and motions and I think their number one formation is empty, you know, which that's just new for us. We haven't seen much of that at all. But then, yeah, defensively, uh, you know, they, they get into an even and odd and, and they play with, you know, middle of the field open and closed and mix in zone and man and have really good players. And you know what I mean? It's it is just going to be an absolute dogfight again. So why the Mid-American Conference is every year. Thank you for your time. And we enjoy what hope what sadly is the final Saturday game of this regular season. That seems crazy. I it mean, does. it's just gone by so fast. And it's also, you know, I mean, fall is barely here, right? I mean, this is weather wise. I mean, we've had maybe one yep. fall game. And so to start talking about lasts is uh, seems premature. Not ready for that yet. But uh, good luck against BG this weekend is the first of back to back weeks in Northwest Ohio. Alex and I return after this break. There's only one podcast in Washtenaw County that takes you inside the athletic department every single week. The Eastern Insider Podcast, your home for all things Eastern all the time. You may know him as the Big Ten Killer or maybe just Chad. You may not know that Chad Ryland started as a star soccer player. Our Greg Steiner caught up with Chad last week ahead of Eastern Michigan's game with Ball State to talk about his pathway to football and what it's been like at Eastern Michigan now that he's a program record holder in multiple categories. That conversation right now. Football was not your first sport when you got going. No, correct. Definitely soccer. Soccer and baseball were my first sports coming up through. Um, and obviously soccer sort of developed me into the football aspect that I'm in now of my athletic journey, which I'm extremely happy and grateful that it brought me to Ypsilanti, Michigan. Um, obviously the transition from soccer to kicking football is pretty well correlated. Um, it just started with having fun going out on the field with my dad with a football and a pair of kicking sticks. And, uh, before you know it, we're kicking and all of a sudden I'm back at the 40 yard line and hitting a 50 yard field goal one of my first times out. When your soccer coach heard that you were going to go out for football or the football coach heard that you were 
coming over from soccer. How's that reaction? Because I know sometimes those coaches are pretty protective. No, for sure, for sure. In terms of the soccer coach, I know they were all for it. Um, some videos circulated to me kicking some field goals, and they, they saw the ability and potential that I had. And um, the soccer coach, Coach Benson, was definitely all for it, and that, that was a huge part of me going forward with it was how supportive he was. Um, and then on the flip side, Coach Wildeson, our head football coach at Cedar Crest, um, was also equally excited, having seen some of the similar videos, um, being a former Division One player at Lafayette in Pennsylvania. Um, he was ecstatic when it was like, all right, we're going to have a kicker. Um, so they were both just overly super supportive, still are to this day, text me weekly, and both really good guys. Flash forward now in, in today's game, as we're talking here on Wednesday, you have the chance this weekend to set the career PAT mark. You've already got the career made PAT mark and and career points also on the horizon. When you think back to when you started as a freshman and how things have come now, could you ever have envisioned anything quite like this? No, not at all. I mean, I take it one kick at a time from the time I started um, against Monmouth here at home and to this day till it's it's one kick at a time when I go out there. It's the one goal. I'm not looking for whatever point mark I need to get or what number X, Y, and Z this is. Um, I'm just trying to live in the moment and be present for each kick because obviously my time year-wise is coming to an end here as this is year four. Um, but, yeah, no, just trying to live in every moment and, and make each kick so we have a chance to win. Do you ever go back have those kicks against Illinois or Purdue? Do they appear on repeat or – does the family ever say, hey, do you remember that moment? Or is it kind of just that those were great things, but it's the next kick that matters the most? Yeah, from a family perspective, my dad's always on the next kick, and my mom is overly supportive no matter what, which is awesome. It's, it's not necessarily what I do in the past. It's what I still have yet to do, which I think is what's really motivating me and propelling me forward. One kick at a time, like I said, it's those kicks were awesome. It was a great experience to build from the makes, the misses. Everything I've learned these last four years um, has certainly built me into the kicker I am today. Walk us through uh, your kick, your process. When you go out there, what are you focused on? What are you, you looking at as a person who's never kicked a football before in a, in a situation like you do? You got guys running at you. How do you calm your mind and, and what do you focus on most? Yeah, no, obviously, as the years have come on, my routine has changed and it's developed as I've been around more top level guys. Um, starting originally as freshman year, just picking a spot through the uprights. For example, if you're looking towards the convocation building, you got the little letters up there and I'll pick a spot on one of those big letters and try and kick the ball to that spot going through the uprights, not necessarily to them. Um, And now it's evolved all the way to the point where I'm trying to pick out a little dimple on the football when Jake Julian puts it down to hold. Um, So that just goes to show you the little nuance um, of going from a spot through the upright, which I still focus on a little bit, um, but now we've gotten so fine-tuned and refined with Bird and Jake um, that we're picking out little dimples on the ball that we're trying to make good contact with. Here with Chad Ryland, you mentioned Jake Julian and Stephen Bird, two guys that you spend a lot of time with, you hone your craft, and I think they certainly deserve all Mac consideration or an all-American status as much as anybody. How do you see them and, and their impact on what you're able to do as well? Oh, it's huge. Not only them, but the guys up front, too. The one thing I like to say is that I've never made a kick in game where someone wasn't blocking for me. 
Um, that's how I like to look at it. It's, it's a PAT unit. It's not just the kicker, snapper, holder, but Bird and Jake um, have been phenomenal and they, they've continued to evolve, obviously, as we all have as a unit. And that, that goes a long way when you keep the same guys that we've had now for the last, last two years. Um, it's special. And they're special guys off the field that we all have a really, really close bond together for sure. It's not every day you get to work with somebody who's been drafted already, like Jake has in the CFL. What do you see from him and what kind of little things can you learn from him having already seen what he's taken to that professional ranks? Yeah, no, I would never tell Jake this to his face, but Jake is absolutely phenomenal um, at what he does. He's really an older brother to me, a true big brother. We fight, we get along, we're best friends, we're all that. but we're, we're in this together. I know we, we talk a lot um, about his, his potential at the next level. Obviously, the CFL is great, but I know he has, mm-hmm. he has a lot higher, higher dreams and aspirations that I don't have any doubt um, he'll definitely succeed in reaching those based on his work ethic um, and the person that he is for sure. So he's talked about before that hopefully he's going to sort of pave the way here, make a good blueprint, and I can I can follow along there. There's a lot of season left for the both of you to make a lot of kicks as we uh, still here at halftime against Ball State. You look at uh, your season ahead and the ability that's still left for you. Uh, I know you're, you're a junior class rank, but you've been here four years. How is the academic side of things? And uh, classes in, in grad school next on the horizon? Yeah, the, the academics are great. They've been great. Eastern's obviously a great academic institution from a business perspective that I've experienced. Um, being a supply chain major, I've had the opportunity to gain a lot of experience now with some of my classes. And the undergrad's coming to an end here as I'll get my degree after this fall semester and then uh, on to the MBA. Well, the supply chain deal right now, if you've tried to buy anything, you realize the supply chain is all out of whack. There's too many things in cargo ships. I tried to buy a fridge and they won't let me because it was uh, still on some container ships. You got to get that figured out. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm ho- I'm hoping to kick footballs for a long time yet. Um, but when my, my tenure as a kicker comes to an end, I'll certainly direct all the attention to uh, fixing the the cargo and supply chain so we we don't have these reoccurring problems. Hey, you're the best. We really appreciate your time. More importantly, you supply me candy, which I always appreciate (laughs) as well. Yeah, no, sweetest place on earth, Hershey, Pennsylvania. Um, We'll we'll always bring you some stuff for sure. I appreciate it. You're listening to the Eastern Insider Podcast, presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, the only show that brings you all things Eastern, all the time. Now, let's get back to the action with Greg Steiner and Alex Jewell. Head coach Stephanie Jennings and her women's golf team captured the Shirley Spork Invitational title back on October the 5th. We were there and caught up with her right after the second round concluded, and her team was able to hoist the trophy at their own event at Eagle Crest Golf Club. Take a listen to that conversation coming up right now. Head coach Stephanie Jennings joining me now after her team captures the Shirley Spork Invitational in 2021 by two strokes. And you did it over a rival. Central Michigan made a push today, coach, but your team was able to hold on. And I know you must feel so good about the effort from uh, your young ladies. You know, they just kept fighting and we, you know, set from the very beginning of the season to just play aggressive. Um, the conditions were primed today for playing aggressive because the ball wasn't going to go too far with the wet conditions. So, um, we, we got down, I knew we got down. I knew my number one player wasn't playing her best, but she kept fighting and every, every player kept fighting. And yes, you know, we tied central at the last tournament and lost in the playoff, but, um, it, 
it felt really good to just come out on top and just stay stay in it enough to to pull out that win. Well, your team yesterday got the tournament started on the 36 hole day with an unbelievable score, 11 over through two rounds as a team, and that really gave you a nice cushion, nine strokes today. How important was it? And and what did you say to your team about the start that they were able to get off to? How how much can that impact coming into a day like today? And obviously, you want to play just as well, but on a day where you maybe don't, you still have enough cushion to close it out down the stretch and win the tournament. Yeah, and, and that's really been our M- MO is to come out kind of slow. Um, and I don't want that to be our MO anymore. And, and really the aggressive attitude is, is what really made us, you know, get that big lead and uh, just attack the flags. You know, it's like, what do we got to lose? You know, let's just go for it. And, um, you know, put ourselves up there and, and the girls know this course, I, you know, that that's the great thing is we had such an advantage, especially with the rough being the way it was, it was so thick. The girls just knew how to play it. And that, yeah, having that lead <laughs> really helped us out. Well, let's talk about some of your individual performances. When you look on your individual leaderboard, Kylie Dahl and Olivia Loberg come out and shoot 222s for the three round event. Kylie Dahl, somebody who is obviously young, your, your whole team is really fairly young. Tell us a little bit about her and then give us a thought or two on Olivia, too, because both of those players, I know, uh, again, really played well this week. And I know that you expect a lot from them moving forward. Yeah, I mean, Kylie's been a shining star and only her, you know, what, third tournament of her college career. Um, but I just saw so much in her as a, a junior golfer and knew she would contribute right away to our team. Um, she just has that very um, mellow attitude on the golf course. She gets, she gets fiery when she misses a putt here and there, but she knows how to bring herself back and, and make those birdies when she needs to. And Olivia is the same way. Olivia just plays very low key, but you know, she birdied 10 and 11 back to back, um, maybe had a bogey there, but she, she never lets it get too far out of her hands and um, just is a competitor through and through. So yeah, lot, lots of great things to come with this young team. So well, we're talking here at Eagle Crest, your home course after winning your home tournament. And I know that you talked to not only your own team, but everybody who participated this week, just about how good it feels to be back playing competitively in the fall, having teams back here at the Shirley Sport being able to host the event. What's it, what's it been like for you the last couple of days, really the last month or so, you've really been planning to have teams back, but then to finally get out here and just be doing it all on your own course again. Oh my gosh. We just, we know what a great event we put on. I mean, we're fortunate to have a Marriott right next door. Um, just a, a phenomenal resort like facility here at Eagle Crest. And, um, we just know what we can showcase. And when we get these teams in, they, they are so grateful for being able to play in this event. And, you know, the nice thing about fall golf in college is all these players are coming right off of their summer play. So we know their games are going to be in top shape. And, and that's what makes fall golf for college so wonderful. And to play on a course like this that poses some great challenges and see what scores were shot. I mean, Alyssa Fish, who finished first, I mean, what a phenomenal uh, player she was from Western Michigan. And uh, just wanted, you know, we're so happy that people can see what we have here at Eastern Michigan. I told you yesterday, if I ever shoot a score like Alyssa Fish did <laughs> from Western Michigan, everybody on the course is going to be lucky because I'm going to be buying them a drink after that. So certainly kudos to her and her effort today. And, you know, we talk about the Shirley Spork Invitational. For those listening that may not know the namesake behind the tournament, Shirley Spork, of course, 
course, an Eastern Michigan alum and one of the co-founders of the LPGA. So to have somebody like that, that's your tournament's named after is special, but even more special, you have a relationship with her and your team has been able to have a relationship with her. Tell us a little bit about that. I know you guys were able to talk to her just this this week before the tournament, and she always has some great advice going into events like this. Uh, amazing. She The team didn't know I was calling her. She didn't know I was calling, calling her, but I knew she'd pick up because every time I call her, she picks up. And so Sunday night after our practice round, um, I had the team up upstairs in the clubhouse and we called her and she answered. I'm like, Shirley, we got the team here. What's your, you know, words of wisdom. And she always goes back to putting because that's how she started the game. And, you know, one of the neat things that she talked about is, you know, if you lift your head up, you know, too soon from hitting your putt, the club's going to open like one sixteenth of an inch and then your putt's going to go. I'm just like, Oh my gosh. Okay. This is very technical. So essentially what you're saying, Shirley is no peaking. Right. <laughs> and so we kept going with that. No peaking, no peaking. Um, and, and, really, and it worked so, because it worked. down the stretch, you guys made some big time putts, big putts. Yeah. Kylie made a huge putt for par. Uh, I know Anna had a decent putt for par in 18. Um, Anna birdied 16. So it was just um, very clutch with the putting. And we've been working on it a lot, a lot. So it, it's huge. There she is, head coach Stephanie Jennings. Her team just wrapped up a two-stroke victory at the Shirley Spork Invitational here at Eagle Crest Golf Course. This has been another edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast, powered by Learfield and presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Tune in every Monday for new episodes all year long. And don't forget to visit emueagles.com slash podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts for all of our episodes on demand.